Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Steve's relaxing, enjoying vacation, so we will hold it down this week for him in the Sunbury Motor Studio. Sean Carey, best of Steve Jones Show week here on WKOK. Sunbury Motors, Ford, Lincoln, Hyundai, North 4th Street, Auto Plaza, Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, on the Strip, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Great replays for you here on today's show. Just a few. We'll go back to uh, homecoming weekend last fall at Penn State when Steve had a chance to talk to former Nittany Lions running back, now author and motivational speaker, DJ Dozier. Also one of the great Philly sports reporters, Ray Didinger who updated one of his Philly Archives record books after the Eagles' Super Bowl victory. So we'll talk to Ray. Also, some more football talk next hour with the voice of the New England Patriots radio network, Bob Sochi. We talked to Bob Bob back in February following the Patriots' Super Bowl win. And also, another longtime broadcaster from the Pittsburgh Pirates and their former uh, great pitcher from late 60s, early 70s, Steve Blass. Uh, Steve's in his final season of calling Buckos games on the Pirates Radio Network and on TV on AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. And we'll talk to Steve and uh, replay that interview in the final half hour of today's show. You can get in contact with us anytime. Our email is stevejones at wkok.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle at stevejonespsu. And, of course, you can subscribe to our Steve Jones Show podcast, and podcast numbers have been looking great. So if you listen to us on uh, the iTunes, the Apple Podcast app, or Google Play, thank you so much. And if you do listen to our podcast on iTunes, don't hesitate to uh, leave us a review. That'll get the word out even further uh, to folks out there, Penn State uh, football fans near and far. Of course, we'll wrap up our Penn State football talk as we move closer to another season of the Nittany Lions here on WKOK. Very tough loss last night for the Philadelphia Phillies. Dodgers looking to clinch this series tonight. They'll hand the ball to Walker Bueller. And this is his first start since July the 3rd, although he did appear in the All-Star game last week. Is 8-1, 3.46 ERA. Go for the uh, Dodgers tonight. He is 1-1 one one in his career in Citizens Bank Park with an ERA of 7.94, but the Dodgers have tons of confidence going into this game last night. But boy, it just seems like it feels like a year ago already. The Phillies had that walk-off win, the home run with Michael Franco against the Nationals on Sunday afternoon. Then, uh, you know, Franco last night with an opportunity to bring in a couple of runs, didn't run fast enough to first base uh, from a lot of Phillies fans. It's just a completely you know, embarrassing loss last night. Uh, they're 0-8 uh, with runners in scoring position. So the Fightins look to bounce back tonight. It'll be up to Vince Velasquez, 2-5, and 4.63 ERA. Then quite inconsistent here this season. In his last four starts, 0-2 with an ERA of just under 6. And Velasquez says it just comes down to execution. You execute a solid pitch, 
Chances are guys are going to pop up, swing and miss, or foul it off. Doesn't have to be a 97-mile-an-hour fastball every time. That's a bonus. So have it for you tonight here on WKOK from Citizens Bank Park. Uh, game number two of the series, 630 will be on deck in first pitch at 7.05. And someone with ties to Penn State football. And he has made a nice little run in the National Football League. And at one time, he was the highest paid kicker in the NFL. Robbie Gould, former Nittany Lions kicker. Happy to put negotiations behind him with the with the uh, San Francisco 49ers after a very weird off season. But he'll be back in San Francisco to play football for at least the next two seasons. Veteran kicker discussing his new contract with ESPN earlier this week. It was a agreed upon before yesterday's deadline. There was a deadline at 4 p.m. on Monday to sign franchised players to long-term deals. Financial terms not officially disclosed, but according to a league source, a two-year, $10.5 million fully guaranteed contract for Robbie Gould. That includes uh, includes an option clause, and that could turn into a four-year, $19 million deal with $15 million guaranteed for uh, the former number nine of the New York Giants and, of course, the uh, Chicago Bears. And actually, uh, Robbie's family still lives in Chicago, despite now... Uh, uh, getting another deal with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, family still lives in Chicago, loves it, and um, Robbie gets out on the golf course uh, whenever uh, he possibly can. Actually, he was just back in his hometown of Lock Haven a couple of weeks ago uh, for his annual golf tournament and for his charity, the Golden Touch. Well, a guy who also had a great Penn State football career and spent a few years in the NFL, and now... Since his playing days are over, motivational speaker and also author of a new book that was released last uh, last fall. Steve had a chance to uh, talk with DJ Dozier. Uh, coming, I was uh, last season uh, during a Penn State football homecoming, and we'll have that interview for you next as we continue the best of the Steve Jones Show on WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Mirth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Best of the Steve Jones Show continues. News Radio 1070 WKOK and Sean Carey. Well, former Penn State football star running back DJ Dozier, he returned to Happy Valley for homecoming back in 2018. He joined Steve to discuss his book, to, to uh, Decide to Dominate, and also looked back on his playing days at Beaver Stadium. That is correct. Yes. 100%. So, so, so what inspired you to write the book? What inspired me? Well, you know, what's interesting is... 
I've always been around individuals, including my parents, mm-hmm. that were always inspiring in and of themselves. And when I started diving into more of their background and you know where they came from, even became even more inspired. But um, I've always loved being around people uh, like that. And the more and more I walked through life, uh, I got to a point where, uh, you know, being able to experience a lot of different things, uh, even, you know, the biggest hurdle for me was going from playing football um, in college and then the pros and then attempting to play baseball. Uh, well, you made the major leagues. That's not an attempt. Well, um, and the, the inspiration of doing that, um, you know, is a little bit of what I fall back on uh, in terms of, um, you know, why I wrote this book. Because I, I believe that people, you know, there are a lot of things that we don't do uh, simply because we think we can't. And um, so this is my attempt to inspire folks uh, to go after things that they believe that they either have it has passed them or that uh, they don't think they can do. And, um, you know, so for me to play baseball after not playing for six or seven years, uh, I, trust me, there were people that thought I was nuts. Right. And um, when it happened, of course, uh, it was a different story. And for me, it just made uh, it was just another exclamation point on what's possible. Has there always been something within you that said, you know, I have something inside me where I will prove your doubt wrong? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially if it's something that I've seen in my own mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, someone comes up and says, hey, I don't think that's possible. Um, you know, I, I think that, you know, even Joe used some of that um, I'm during, during the recruiting. You know, <laughs> I'm I mean, shocked. You know, it took me years to realize what, what he was saying to me. Uh, but, you know, I was still in high school in, during the recruiting process. And I remember him saying at his, t- at his kitchen table, you know, poured a glass of milk and put it over beside me. And he said, he said, DJ, he said, listen, I, I know you think that you're good and you probably think you're good enough to start as a freshman here, but that's not going to be the case. Mm-hmm. And um, so that, that, that statement did something to me. Yeah. And um, so I, I then had something to prove. And became the first ever freshman to gain 1,000 yards in the season. With a little help. He had a lot of help, obviously, you know, and uh, uh, you're, but there's also something that when you go through this program, so let's, I want to go to this program for a moment. You come in and you were a leader on your high school team, right? But now you're a freshman. What did it take to be deferential to older players? And then what was it like to then transition to being one of the older players? Yeah, no, that's, a, that's a great question. You know, I think anytime you, you're you a leader or you've had a chance to lead and then you have to step out of that role into something different and you start all over, uh, especially as an athlete and amongst a team, the, the only way to gain respect is on that field or on the court, mm-hmm. you know, depending on what sport it is. And so in, in, in my case, um, I was fortunate, um, you know, to be able to come into a, a program, a great program. And, you know, I think a lot of us that came in in 83 were certainly inspired by the 82 team. Sure. And what they achieved as becoming national champions. And so we wanted to come in and, and 
and also leave with a ring or a couple of rings. Yeah. And um, so, you know, I think as a young person, you have to prove yourself on the field uh, or in the, the where the battleground is. And then you begin to gain the respect from uh, the older guys and the leaders. You talked about your father uh, and and basically you know decide to dominate but there are also other people that instilled that in you where you may have had it but they reinforced it to you who would some of those people be that reinforced to you what your father always talked about well there's no doubt you know because i spent most of my uh, uh, non-academic time in athletics yeah uh, all the way you know starting back when i was eight years old so it has to be coaches mm-hmm. uh, anytime there was a, a coach in a and I can recall certain aspects that I gained from from coaches. Uh, of course, you know, Happy Valley, you, you have to talk about Paterno. Right. And, um, you know, even in the book, I, I, I relate to a situation with Paterno and during spring mm-hmm. where I actually uh, fl- um, was running to my left on a pitch and I slipped. Yeah. Um, you know, just happens. Yeah, it happens. And that's the way I thought about it. Mm. And so, uh, Joe yells out what happened and i said i slipped and you know i thought that was going to be the end no he says you can't slip (laughs) (laughs) what do you you mean i can't slip you know of course i'm about to turn around now get ready to have a conversation with him about that and one of the other coaches said don't do it don't. That's a, that sounds like Franny. Franny, Franny was. Yeah, don't do it. Don't do that. It, it won't help. But but what, what's remarkable, and again, you know why I, I say we have to decide. But you remember things. the story. Yes. Well, I remember the story because it, it had a profound effect on That's my right. life, not just on the field. Right. But what happened, you know, if you look back in that the, the history, and look what happened with. Or what happened after that? Right. That little incident. I never slipped again. Right. No, no. I should say that. I not that I didn't slip. I didn't fall. Right. So we had plenty of games where the field was, you know, a little soggier than the normal. Oh yeah. Uh, so I did. Yeah, I was yeah. I was the third announcer at that time of the networks. I saw them all. So. Yeah. <laughs> so lots of slips, but never fell again. Yeah. And you know, I've, so I've never forgotten that uh, because somewhere in my mind. Uh, I heard those words that said, you can't slip. Right. When, you, what did it take to write this, and how long did it take to write this? Because, I mean, let's face it, I mean, you're not Steinbeck. You know? I mean, <laughs> you know, where you're doing it for a living, so now you're going to try and do something, again, out of your comfort zone, but right. you wanted to dominate by writing the book. Right, absolutely. That's a, that's a great question. Uh, first of all, it, it, it did take three and a half years. Okay. Um, hardest thing I've ever done mm-hmm. um, and, and especially at the end uh, because I thought it was done and um, and it wasn't and so you you know you had those extensions that you know it's done oh no it's not done right. so not gonna spend another six months right. um, so you know this was a this was an amazing process you know what I tell everybody that I have a chance to talk to about it is that everyone should do this at least once in their life um, because you know what it did for me uh, it opened up uh, a whole nother level of confidence and opportunity uh, to think through things and to figure out you know what well what do I want to do next um, uh, so it, it you know three and a half years um, very difficult process matter of fact the gentleman that that helped me 
he said, listen, no one writes uh, in their first book. No one writes a good book. Right. Uh, now, you know, go back to that other question you asked about, you know, proving yeah. someone wrong. Right. Exactly. And so I had to think about that mm-hmm. and you know, thought, you know, that doesn't make sense. If you're going to write a book, it has to be good because you don't want people to read a not so or subpar book. And uh, so that's the other reason why it took so long, because I wanted to make sure that it was done right. Uh, when I talk to my broadcasting class at Penn State, and, for example, the project they have due this week is going to be on Monday, will be on play-by-play. I said, look, pick a team you know. Pick something you're passionate about. In this book, because it was so personal, what did you have to eliminate because it was all so personal where you said, okay, wait, I know that's important to me, but it's a tangent Right. How important was it to not only know what you had to put in, but also what you had to take out? Yeah, that's another great question. So, you know, anyone that knows me uh, knows I'm private. Uh, yeah, I, you always have been. You know? Yeah, I'm very private. I, I don't, I don't give my business out. Yeah. Um, but you know, this was. Well, I'll say this private, but always like, for example, anytime you've ever, you know, we've, you know, you'll get a hold of me for this or whatever. So I mean that, but you no. Know, but in terms of who you are. It's who you are, and then you only let certain people in. Fair? Correct. Very good. Yeah, that's that's, that's perfect. So this was a, a little bit of a test for me in yeah. terms of uh, you know how I expose myself, but not every part of me. And uh, so I did open up a little bit in, in certain uh, cases, but you know this book is not just about me. I also interviewed and talked to about 15 other executives throughout uh-huh. the country. Some of them are Penn Staters. Yep. Uh, actually, most of them are right. Penn State or some in some way, shape, or form connected to Penn State. And uh, so it's not just you know sharing you know, some of my um, um, uh, failed opportunities. Uh, in life, but also, you know, others uh, in the book talk about, you know, some of the things that they went through. So it reinforces what you're talking about, that they they were able to give their stories. It reinforced what you were discussing in your own book about you and others. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, testimony is key. And, you know, being able to get personal stories, I think, is huge in any book. Um, you know, to keep the reader from, because it's not all instructional. Sometimes experiences, you know, give us uh, the tools to start thinking about, okay, if they did that, then of course I can do it. And also part of it, too, is that in relating stories, you want to keep people interested in what they're reading. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a and I love stories. Right. Oh, I know you do. Yeah. And I, I listen, I've always said that I think I'm going to be a pretty pretty good grandfather because yeah. uh, i got lots of stories. <laughs> Yeah, that's where I am right now. <laughs> I got lots of stories. Uh, it's homecoming weekend here. When you look out and you see that stadium, what memories flash through your mind? Well, you know, what's interesting is uh, it, it, I remember the first time I walked into the locker room mm-hmm. after they had remodeled. And uh, it was a interesting moment because it was a different – it looked different. Yeah. No doubt. And let's face it. I mean, we're we're creatures of habit, and yeah. and our minds uh, are, remember certain things. So when I walked in, it was sort of strange. Yeah. You know, like wow, I feel like I've never been here before. Right. Um, but what's exciting, I think, for this stadium and the way that they have evolved, the, the fan base yeah. and the students, mm-hmm. amazing. Yeah. You know, isn't it? Uh, I mean, the 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 noise. The I remember the I don't remember what year it was, but it was an Ohio State game. 
uh, and I could not believe how loud the stadium was. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I thought, was I missing something as a player? You know, but I think adding that, that student section or expanding it. Yeah, I'll tell you that closing in the south then, because the noise would escape. When right. you played, right. the noise would escape. I want to say the stadium was like 83,000 at the time or something right. like that. Right. So, you know, uh, what makes me most proud, uh, at least one thing that I can pinpoint, is at that particular game, there must have been 25, 30 recruits yeah. um, standing along the sidelines where we were. And I remember reading a report that every one of those recruits chose Penn State after that game. How about that? And, uh, you know, so it's a tremendous uh, package when you walk in there and, and know that 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 student section is going to be loud. Of course, the rest of the uh, stadium as well. Yeah, that's interesting because, you know, what? Um, something that, that's important. And I talked about this this morning. I was on a, another station. I was on Detroit this morning, and they were asking me about Saquon Barkley, and they right. asked if he's the best I've seen here. And mm-hmm. I said, you know what? I said, what, what you give to one, you take away from someone else. Sure. Gee, where have you heard that? But I said, I said, I said, Lenny Moore set the table for Lydell Mitchell and Franco Harris, and then they set the table along the way for Kurt Warner, who then set the table for DJ Dozier, who then set the table for Blair Thomas, who then set the table for Kajonic. I mean, and it goes all the way through when you because that's what great programs have. They're not one-hit wonders. Mm. Okay, thanks so much. Absolutely. Your summer just got better with the summer sales event at Sunbury Motors Kia. Summer is heating up as the prices cool down. During the Kia Summer Sales Event, you can drive away in that brand new Kia for less than ever. Lease a 2019 Kia Nero LX for only $289 a month. Only $289 a month. A 2019 Kia Forte LXS for just $239 a month. $239 a month. And a 2019 Kia Optima LX for only $269 a month. $269 a month. And all Kias come with a 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty. The deals are heating up during the Summer Sales Sales event at Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hubble's Wharf. Lease term is 36 months, 12,000 miles per year, $1,200 total due and signing or equivalent trade. No security deposit required. Tax and tags extra. Offer expires 731-19. Warranty is a limited powertrain warranty. For details, see retailer or go to kia.com. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street, Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia on the strip routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Steve with the fam on vacation this week. Sean with you, the best of Steve Jones Show week. Flipping the pages back for some of the great interviews we've had here on the show over the past several months. By the way, tomorrow, some terrific baseball talk with Steve and Sweeney Murdy, the longtime. New York Yankees beat reporter for Sports Radio, WFAN, New York City. Replay that interview with uh, Stephen Sweeney tomorrow, as well as author Jeff Perlman wrote a great book last year on the USFL. And also, when the baseball season started earlier this year, we had a chance to get Kevin Fransden on the show. Uh, Kevin doing 82, or 81 of the 162 games of the Philly schedule, the away games. At least most of them, anyway. Uh, here on WKOK with Scott Fransky. 
So we had a chance to speak with Kevin after the uh, opening day matchup with the Braves. So we will replay that interview with uh, Steve and Kevin uh, coming up tomorrow. We'll be off on Thursday. Phillies have a day game on Thursday. They wrap up their series against the Dodgers before heading to Pittsburgh this weekend. And then we'll be uh, very Penn State football heavy on Friday. we got replays with... Uh, former Penn Stater and current Tampa Bay Bucks lineman Donovan Smith, Mark Brennan from FightOnState.com, and also will replay some of uh, head football coaches uh, James Franklin's comments from back in February during National of Letter Intent Day. So I wanted to share this with you before we get our replay with Ray Dittinger on, uh, the longtime Philly sports writer, the Hall of Fame. I found this online, and this was from... Kevin Rupp. Kevin lives in Akron, Pennsylvania, not to be confused with Akron, Ohio. You know, there were lots of great things in sports that happened over the weekend. Uh, Friday night, of course, you had the uh, Los Angeles Angels with that amazing no-hitter. And, uh, you know, all dedicated to number 45. Everybody wore number 45. Mike Trout hit a home run, 454 feet. And all happening on what would have been Tyler's birthday. Actually, the last time, the last time a no hitter was, it was the last time a perfect game was pitched in California was back when, back on Tyler's birthday, the day was born. Uh, number forty-five sadly passing away during a uh, road trip to uh, Texas uh, a few weeks back. So, but we think of uh, you know great stories that touch us and inspire us. Well, this is a pretty cool one that I found from Kevin Rupp from Akron, Pennsylvania, back in the nineteen nineties. I was coaching all four of my daughters in 12 and under softball when my daughter Felicia was diagnosed with cancer. Two years into her battle, chemo destroyed her hand-eye coordination and numbed her feet so bad she could hardly run. Well, one day on the way home from a game, Felicia told me how upset she was that I never put her into a game. She was part of that team and wanted to play. So the next game, I put her in to pinch hit. She swung at the first pitch and hit a little roller down the foul line. Kevin wasn't sure exactly how she did it, but she beat out the throw and had a hit. She stood at first with the biggest smile, and Kevin was definitely humbled. Well, that was the last time that he saw his daughter, Felicia, play softball. A couple years after that, she passed away at the age of 13. And after that, he never coached the same again. He played every girl, no matter what her skill level was. And then things started to happen. His team would win championships. One season had a 42-0 run. Multiple undefeated seasons. All because of a little girl that could. A little girl who refused to give up. Puts things in perspective. Let's put you in touch with legendary Philly sports writer, Ray Didinger. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's pretty. Uh, that's that's really uh, that's really exciting. It's been uh, the book has been really well received. I mean, the Eagle season has been uh, a little up and down, but uh, it hasn't uh, it hasn't dampened the enthusiasm of the fans here. They, uh, you know, the book is called Eagles Encyclopedia Champions Edition, and a lot of it obviously deals with last year and the parade and the celebration and you know, and everything that that kind of meant to the fans of the city. So I think that uh, you know, even though the team's struggling to make the playoffs this year, I think everybody kind of wants. The the book is a keepsake of uh, what was a very special season last year. Yeah, especially one that ended in February, so it ended sure. in this particular calendar year, so timing is, is perfect for it. What did you learn as you went through this? Because you've lived a lot of this. 
Oh, forever. I mean, I've, I was born in born in Philadelphia. Yeah. Started going to Eagles games. Uh, my first Eagles game was 1956. So uh, back when they were still playing at Connie Mack Stadium. So I've seen them through Connie Mack Stadium and then Franklin Field and then Veterans <laughs> Stadium and now the Link. So uh, I've been there through the good times and the bad times. And uh, like every other like every other Philadelphian, like every other Eagles fan, just waiting for the. Waiting to waiting for the time that they would finally get to a Super Bowl and and bring a Lombardi Trophy here to Philadelphia. And after a long after a long long wait, you just sometimes wonder if it's ever going to happen. But uh, it happened last year, and you know it, the the thing that was so magical about it was it came at a time it came out of nowhere. I don't think anybody saw it coming. You know they they knew the team. You know they felt they had a pretty special young player in Carson Wentz, and they uh, you know they they thought they had some pretty good players. But I don't think anybody at the beginning of last season, and certainly. By the you know when Wentz got hurt, I don't think anybody saw this team winning a Super Bowl. But uh, they just gone a very special role and uh, took them to the championship game and they wound up knocking off the mighty Patriots. And it's been uh, it's really kind of been one big party here in Philadelphia ever since. I mean, so many people that have been coming to the book signings. That's what they've been saying. I mean, the cover of the book is is not a football shot. The cover of the book is right. actually a shot of the parade in Philadelphia. And uh, so many people, people actually come up and, and had tears in their eyes when they when they look at that and said, you know, you have no idea what this meant to me and my family. And I said, oh yeah, I do. <laughs> I've lived yeah. the same as you have. And that's that's the next question I have for you. There's a section of the book, and in these encyclopedias, they do try to pick out some of the greats of a particular franchise, which you obviously did. In reality, how many of those guys, what percentage did you cover and actually know? Oh, a lot of them. I mean, I've been covering the team. I've been covering the team uh, since 1970, so it's coming up right. half a century that I've been around the team. Uh, and then, as a fan, um, a good 15 years before that. And then, as, as things work in the business, obviously, over time, even though I didn't necessarily cover the team of the 50s and the 60s, as a sports writer here in Philadelphia, I, I had occasion to interview those guys, meet those guys, write pieces about anniversaries of this and anniversaries of that, and, you know, at dinners at the Maxwell Football Club and stuff like that. I got to know all of those guys, even as far back as some of the guys from the 40s. I mean, the Pete Pihoses and Chuck Bednarik and Steve Van Buren. I mean, I, I knew all of those those guys too so for 50 years i've been covering the team pretty much on a daily basis and and over the course of uh, time i've gotten to know most of the guys all the way all the way back to those first two championship teams in 48 49 okay so was there anything in doing research for this was there any surprise to you or was there something you know what i've forgotten about that and you needed to write more about it um, actually, yes, that 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 happened. Um, I I had done two previous editions. We did one in 2005, right after they went to the Super Bowl in Jacksonville, the one they lost right. to the Patriots. We did the first edition of Eagles Encyclopedia then. Uh, then we did another one in 2012, which was really updating the original book, and that was after the first year of Chip Kelly. And last year, when about mid-season. When the team was really playing well, really well, uh, I talked to the folks at Temple University Press, who are our publisher, and I said, you know, we've kind of talked about the fact that we might redo this book if they actually won a Super Bowl, and they're starting to take the look of the team that might actually do that. So I'll tell you what, on your end, from the production end, you guys start trying to, 
you know, put things in place, I'll start gathering the material and the research so that if they actually do win this thing in February, that we'll be able to hit the ground running and have a book out in the fall. So, so that's what we were doing. And one of the things I did was I went back and looked at the last edition and went through it page by page and just said, okay, if I really do this book for a third time, what's missing here and what should I update? Uh, and uh, when I went from edition one to edition two, one of the things that I saw that I said, you know, I really need to do this in another book was do a, a whole chapter just on the Eagles-Cowboys rivalry. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Obviously, there's a ton of Eagles-Cowboys stuff in the book, but I just felt that there needed to be a whole chapter that just dealt with the rivalry of between those two teams, how it all started, all, all the funny anecdotes over the years of things that have happened back and forth. So I added that to the second edition. But now this time coming around, it was the same sort of thing where I went back and said, okay, let me see what's missing here. And what I felt was missing was a couple of profiles. I have a, I have a whole chapter there that's called Player Profiles, which are right. individual portraits of players. Uh, and I felt that there was I, – I was sort of kicking myself after the second one that I didn't do – I didn't do a, a, a profile of John Dornboss, the long snapper uh, and right. magician, because I just thought not that he's one of the hundred greatest players in Eagles history, but his his story is so unique. So I was I was sort of I was sort of mad at myself that I didn't include him. So now in this book, I had an opportunity to include him, and also to the chapter that deals with owners, coaches, and, and front office yeah. people. I wanted to uh, I wanted to add a profile of Otho Davis, the the guy that was the trainer here mm-hmm. for thirty five years, because there were so many. There were so many great Otho Davis stories that I kind of I kind of felt like he needed to be a character in the book. So I was able to add those things and sort of complete those chapters, and then obviously then add the whole story of last season with the you know with the, with the whole regular season, then the postseason, then Philly special, then the parade. So I was able to add all that, and so there's a there's a real feeling of completeness about the book now. See, when you're talking about a guy that's a trainer for 35 years. He's a a character in his own right, but he knows everything. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, nobody's nobody knows more of what's going on within a team than the trainer. The trainer yes. sees everything and hears everything. You know, doesn't you know the good trainers don't tell you anything. It, it just stays right. in house. But they but they are privy to everything that's going on. You're right. Yeah, uh, I, I know that when the Eagles won, they'd be an outpouring. That'd be similar to when the Red Sox won in 2004. Have you even you been taken aback by the emotion? Is it even higher than even you thought it might be from fans? Uh, I would, yeah, somewhat. Uh, I mean, I expected it to be huge. I expected it to be uh, an enormous outpouring. Um, I mean, we had I'd been through it before. I'd seen the you know covered the Flyers two Stanley Cups in the seventies and those parades. Right. Uh, I covered the Sixers championship with Dr. J and Moses Malone in that parade. Uh, the two Phillies World Series wins, uh, and they were all big and they were all memorable. But I, I always felt that if if the Eagles ever won, if the Eagles ever won a Super Bowl, it, it would be the celebration to atop them all, and it did. It, it, it really did. I, I think that there's. Uh, um, there was just a, uh, I mean, the whole city was just was just on standing on its head for the better part of a month, and still is to some degree. Um, 
but I think I think I really do think Philadelphia is. I mean, it's a cliche, but I really do think it is a football town. Uh, yeah, and I, I mean, they love they love all the teams, and they're a real passionate sports community. But I really do think that the the team and the sport that rises above everything else is the Eagles, and it is pro football. And so that was the one championship that everybody was waiting for. That was the one parade that everybody was waiting for. And I and I knew that when it happened, it was going to be special, and it was. Uh, but the um, the thing that I think that took it a, a little bit beyond everything else was was the was the personal well the personal stories that were attached to it because everybody and I've talked to thousands of people uh, since since the Eagles won the thing and and, and I felt like I talked to a million people the day of the parade uh, and and everybody and everybody at the parade uh, had a story everybody has talked about. Um, you know, they they would either watch the game with their grandfather, or they watched the game with their father or their brother, or they thought about their father. They you know they took his picture out of, off down off the shelf and they put it on the television for luck. And it was, I mean, there were all of these stories that were that went way way beyond just football. You know, and 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 it, and it just sort of bound these whole families together, this whole community. Uh, in a way, I mean, people rooted for the Phillies and they rooted for the Flyers and the Sixers, but sure. I think I think pro football and I think the Eagles in, in particular. Particular, uh, it's it's um, it's a, it's such a collective thing because nobody watches the Eagles game alone. I mean, everybody watches that that Sunday. It's everybody, the whole family gathers around, uh, and it's something they all share. And so this was the day they were all waiting for. And when it came, I mean, it was something they all celebrated as as family and as community. Each team has its own characters that you can build the story around to to then tell the story to the fan. In last season, what particular players to you were important that really helped you tell the story better? Well, I think Foles for sure. Um, sure. I, I think Foles was the best story to come out of this. Um, I mean, he was the perfect story. I mean, it was, it was like uh, I mean, it was like a character. It was like a movie uh, that you had this guy who uh, had originally been drafted by the team, uh, had played, uh, had a great year, historic year. He had a Pro Bowl year. Had a tremendous year. I mean, he was he had the highest quarterback rating in football. Yeah. Twenty seven touchdowns, two interceptions. Goes to the yeah. Pro Bowl. He's the MVP in the Pro Bowl. Then yeah. he goes back the next year, gets hurt, and basically gets forgotten. Gets <laughs> traded away uh, to, to the Rams. Has a horrible experience in the Rams to the point where he wants to quit football. Then finally decides, you know, I'm not really ready to quit right now. His wife talks him into giving it another try. His original coach, Andy Reid, brings him in to Kansas City, kind of rebuilds his confidence. Then he gets, then he leaves there and comes back to Philadelphia as the backup, clearly the backup to Wentz, no expectation of really playing. And then season, the Eagles are having this magnificent season. All of a sudden Wentz gets hurt and he gets thrust in there as the guy that has to pick it up and move it forward. And not only does he not not only does he do that, but he succeeds beyond everyone's expectations. It's not like he just became a caretaker there. I mean, he comes in and becomes the MVP of the Super Bowl. So uh, and and handled it with such amazing grace. That was the thing. I mean, it was just he was he was so in the moment. He was so uh, he he said not only did he do all the right things on the field, but he said all the right things off the field, uh, and was a hundred percent supportive of Wentz and fully understood that he was the backup and. 
mean, if he was asked once, he was asked a thousand times over the postseason and Super Bowl week about, well, what happens when Carson Wentz comes back next year? And he said, no, he's the quarterback. I I get it. I'm the backup. This is his team. And he never once hedged. He never once – you know, people always said you're going to have a quarterback controversy. No, you're not. Because he's not going to allow it to happen. Uh, And I I just thought – for a guy to come from where he came from and overcame so much doubt, because when Wentz got hurt and Foles stepped in, it was—I mean—it was widely written and said, "Oh, they're done." You know that—that's a shame. That team that they—they had a chance, but they have no chance now. Not with this guy. I mean, that was said a hundred times over, yep. and and so Foles in the whole postseason, and certainly after the Super Bowl, had every opportunity to stand up at the podium and say, "Yeah, see, none, you know, none of you ever believed in me. Well, do you believe in me now?" I mean, he could have said that, and who could have challenged it? But he never did. Mm-hmm. Uh, which which spoke volumes about his character, uh, and it spoke volumes about what a real what a real team what a real teammate he was, uh, and so I mean there were thousands of great stories on that team. I mean, going from the coach, for heaven's sakes, the guy that was coaching high school football like five years ago. Now he's now he's beating Bill Belichick in a Super Bowl. I mean there were there were so many so many great stories on that team. But the one that rose above them all, obviously, was Nick Foles. I mean he was you know he I mean he was in many ways he was kind of the, he was kind of that team's Rocky. Alboa. Well, no one uh, could, they couldn't pick anybody to tell the story better than you, all, of, all the way through all the stories. And it's the third edition. And then for any Eagle fan out there, this is your holiday gift. Go get it. Ray, thanks so much. I, I, I can't thank you enough for giving, giving us the time today because I know you're between appearances. Hey, that's fine, Steve. It was a, it was a real pleasure, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm you know Dick Girardi and I go way back together. So uh, he's uh, he's he, uh, Dick Girardi to me is one of the all time one of the all time just he's an all time great writer. Uh, he's a terrific broadcaster, but more than that, he is just he is just fun to hang out with. So you you probably see more DJ than I do. So tell him I said hello. Oh, I absolutely will. We've got a game coming up tomorrow, as a matter of fact, and that's where you know you, know, you look at your life, Ray, and you say to yourself, "How fortunate am I? I get to work with Jack Ham on Saturdays and Dick Girardi in the winter. How fortunate am I?" <laughs> Dobroshanka. I, re- yeah. <laughs> I remember. Dobroshanka. I, I remember the I remember the Dobroshanka days at, at Old Three River Stadium. Boy, what a what a player he was. Oh, and you know what? And you, you you work a game broadcast with him. He sees the entire field, Ray, the way he did as a player. Yeah, he was real special yeah. that way. Uh, yeah, that was uh, you know that that Steelers team, that Steelers defense. I mean, they had greatness everywhere you looked, starting with Joe Green and then obviously Mel Blunt and Lambert in the middle. But uh, um, they would have never been the same if they didn't have fifty nine. I mean, he was he was really a special player. I mean, he he saw the game he saw the game at a level way beyond the average person, and that's. Uh, he was a great, great player. Great player. Yep. And I get that. I get spoiled by that every Saturday in the fall. Thank you I'm so sure much, Ray. Appreciate it. I'll tell DJ you said hi because he also spoils me uh, all winter long, too, with basketball analysis. That's awesome. Well, you please I, tell him that, and it was a real pleasure, Steve. Yeah. And by the way, and, and also, if I, if you need a horse, I'll, <laughs> <laughs> I'll look you up on that. Thanks so much. Appreciate it, Ray. Good luck care, with this because I know it's, it's it's already a number one Amazon bestseller. So thanks so much. Thank you. See you now. Bye-bye. Your station for news, weather, business, and CBS Sports Radio. News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury and on WKOK.com.